baby. Yeah, it's the day. It's the day. <laughs> the day. You know, it's the, it's day, the day. It's a day of a lot of things. The day <laughs> of you know treating yourself, Phil. Because I'm just coming off the COVID, man. I just you know I'm feeling treat a little bit yourself. better. I had to treat myself. You know, I I uh, used the good beard oil. <laughs> I, I I took an essentials oils bath. I don't even know if that's what you're supposed to do with essential oil. I'm lying about that one. Um, I uh, took my cod liver oil. I uh, made some pizza earlier and I had some like fucking olive oil all up in that mug. I even did a shot of olive oil. Yeah, all oiled up, man. I'm all oiled up. It looked like like a fucking red wrestler in the '80s. Yeah, greased up. That's baby. how you're looking right now. Yeah, greased up. Greased up. Go. Big old baby baby doll. Greased up baby doll. <laughs> I'm dripping, and it's not sweat this time. It's just the grease of all the oil I put on myself. I'm oiled up. I'm ready to go. I'm a weld oil machine again, Phil. You know, and more weight than one. Yeah, like literally just well oiled. You're slipping off the chair, bro. That's how oiled <laughs> up you are. You are. You can't even sit still. You're that oily. That's how ready to go. Yeah, I'm so fucking. You're, you weird. are for this episode. Yeah. Back. Back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Welcome to the Bunch of Cinecast! Presented by the Prince Charles Cinema and the Breadcrumbs Collective. I could have gone a little bit longer there, but I didn't because I don't like to show off. But hey, <sighs> guess whose voice is back? It's back. It, look, it came back and all healed up. It's full. Look, look at that. Just listen. Just listen, listen to that listen. lung capacity. Oh, actually, my lung capacity ain't there yet. It ain't there yet. I went on a walk earlier. I felt like I was going to die going up a hill. Yeah. <laughs> this is your host, John the Foster. I am here each and every week, of course, with my greased up little baby boy, because I'm the greased up big baby doll, and he's a little greased up baby boy. <laughs> I don't know what don't I'm know talking like about. This. It's yeah. uh, Phil. How's it going, Phil? It's to me. All right. I'm glad to see you alive and well. <laughs> Yeah. The only living boy in this, on this show. <laughs> it wasn't the same without you. Yeah. Not that we did one without you. Yeah, but, you know, that's true. Yeah. You're back. We and, kept doing it. You know. It felt like it wasn't with me, though. I was not, like... Within... I wasn't with it yeah. last week. I was you saying, weren't lucid. I was saying to you last week's episode, I prepping it, I was like no in memory. a weird COVID stupor. <laughs> Uh, when we recorded it, I thought I was great, and then I just like went off the deep end, and then like I was definitely not prepared or ready to be recording, but I did it anyway, and I felt stupid after. Um, I was sweating <laughs> all the way through, and I felt disgusting and like dumb. I know. And then, yeah, and then like editing it, I was just like, I don't know about this, and also <laughs> I was still like having very bad brain fog and you know mental fatigue, um, mm. which I still am slightly having. Um, so yeah, but I feel better today, better than I have, you know, each day prior and I, you know, every day a little bit better. Minus the walk I did earlier today. Like literally went up a hill and like felt really short of breath and like my lungs were going to explode. So, uh, (laughs) oh, that was like me coming out of lockdown and I had to to walk up the stairs coming out of the train station going into work and I was like fuck did these get bigger did they add some steps like out of breath walking out of Green Park it's like oh god damn you know what was really weird was how short I felt like when I walked out and I'm not short by any means ladies and gentlemen but I like literally felt very small when I left the flat in Glasgow for the first time 
in 10 plus days or whatever, you know, like mm. after my isolation before I came home. Because I'm back in London now, which is cool. Back with my cat, which is great. You can probably hear it. Super cute. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear the good. difference. Yeah, I mean, the mic, the difference. Yeah. mic oh situation is better. The connection is better. Yeah. Jeez, it's so much better. Yeah, the internet there isn't great. And I um, briefly How ordered... How does Scottish people do it? <laughs> no, it's just like my uh, in-laws have just the bare minimum internet. Like, <laughs> you know, just enough to like surf the internet. Where the 5G at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, I, I ordered that mic briefly. I've already returned it. <laughs> oh, two mics. Did yeah. you return both? Yeah, I returned both. And yeah, yeah suck it, Amazon. Sucked. I got my money back. Uh, well, I will hopefully. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't like. I didn't dig that mic that I got. The one that we recorded with last week. I don't know. Just don't like. Didn't like it. No? I, don't like, I don't like change. I don't like change. I like what I have I now. Like... This mic is good. It's, it's the OG. It's the boy with the green, big, the, the, orange. big orange, big orange uh, pop filter thing on it. Whatever the shit. Wind, windscreen. Pop. See, if I take this off, pop. Do you hear the difference? Do you uh, hear? Do my you God, hear, yeah. Do you hear the wind from this uh, fan? Pop this oh, bad boy shit. on. Like nothing happened. You're getting behind the scenes shit. Pop, 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 pop. It's amazing. Technology, boy. <laughs> We're live. <laughs> We're oh live. We are live. In case you ever thought we faked this. <laughs> This is what my one sounds like. <laughs> How are you doing? Nah, that, it's not that fun. It's all, I'm alright. Yeah. Fucking exhausted. Yeah, you had a busy week? Busy week, just working a lot. Mm-hmm. Opening. Opener. <laughs> cinema. I feel like I say the cinema's open every week. People know that. Uh, but, you know, we you know we open to a bigger capacity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it takes some getting used to. Yeah. Because, you know, it's been a year and a half since we've had more than a hundred people. Not even that. Fucking 80 people max in the building at one time. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just getting used to that. Just finding a new equilibrium and stuff. But mm-hmm. we're handling it well and people are responding to our dance on things well. And people are down and keeping the marks around and doing as much as we can. It's cool. Yeah. It's just, you know, just don't like work. <laughs> just yeah, you know, just everybody knows when I serve them. I don't want to be there. <laughs> oh man! And they, but they do, and that that's that's fine. They want to be there. That's the thing. Good. That's fine if they yeah. want to be there. Yeah, I appreciate all the yeah. listeners out there who uh, you know keep coming in. I see you guys, you know, interacting with the yeah. uh, main Prince Charles Cinema Twitter accounts, emails. Instagram, all that. Like I see you guys. Uh, so thanks for continuing to support the cinema, and I'm glad you guys have been like on board with uh, some of our changes with like trying to keep social distancing going a little bit. I'm glad, as you know, someone who kind of asked for that uh, before we like there was a, before we made the decision to like open up everything when the quote-unquote freedom day was coming. Um, I, I did voice my opinion that I thought, like, maybe we should you know, tiptoe into it, um, you know, just gradually open up. Don't ditch everything because, you know, I felt like 
it seemed like a lot of people respected our stance on you know everything and what we've been doing and i thought it kind of sucked to throw it all away when there still was that sort of concern um yeah i got a lot of goodwill so i'm glad that you know went back on it and you know trying to keep some measures in place like mask and social distancing just to kind of keep you know those out there who will feel more comfortable coming to the cinema happy to keep coming out and i know it's keep like everyone alive can't win in front of right and behind now. the screen <laughs> it's a weird time out there and uh I hope uh, at least we can help you guys forget some how stupid real life is at times with this <laughs> podcast. Uh, bring a little levity to a situation. So did you? Yeah, did you get much love on the socials after the COVID episode? <laughs> no. Ah, <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't. I know. thought people would be all up because you were like, you know, dying on the podcast. You were dying. You were struggling. Exactly, and you were like, nah, man. <laughs> Even, even uh, you know, COVID won't stop me. Yeah, I would have definitely taken a week off. Sorry, no, I got a little <laughs> bit of love from a couple of people who, uh, who are regular listeners, just saying some nice stuff and you know, wish me well, which was nice. So, uh, okay, oh, yeah, ch- cheers and shout out to people like Claire and stuff, longtime listener. She she won our uh, Royal Tenenbaum. She won the Royal Tenenbaum's uh, competition the giveaway. So, uh, yeah. You know, cheers to cool. Claire for wishing me well uh, when I told her the news that she was the winner. Um, so, yeah. Hey, you, you got to be in it to win it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you snooze, you lose. I, I do also appreciate the people who have been emailing in. To be honest, you email in. I know you're listening because... Probably going to win. You're probably going <laughs> to win because I know you're definitely listening. And that makes me feel better than someone who's just like following and retweeting on social media who doesn't listen to the podcast um you have a better chance of winning if you continue to email in your competitions each and every week that we have the criterion giveaways which will be another one next week so uh with the west anderson episodes but hey you know what wasn't uh was pta was he getting another one what? Was PTA getting another one? Or no, was it Uncut Gems? That was uh, what was coming Uncut Gems got it. Adam Sandler got a second one. And before. Funny People. Oh, yeah, and Funny People. So, yeah, he got two. Fuck, he got, He's got three now. Adam Sandler got three Criterion movies. PTA had one. Just one. Yeah, that's what it was. I was thinking PTA got another one. How's this film nah. that we're talking about today not a Criterion nah. film? I think it... No, I'm not going to say it. I tried <laughs> to buy this movie for this episode because yeah. it's the only PTA movie I don't own. Mm. obviously and hard eight. I, I just didn't own it I was like why don't I own it and I can't you can't find it anywhere I mean you could buy an older copy but it, it's out of print okay. it's been discontinued which means a new edition is coming yeah whoever that may be from yet to be seen maybe next year dude next year is 15 years since the year of 2007 which is the greatest film year ever greatest um, film year at least in my opinion. You know what you know what so, you gotta do next year then. We gotta finally uh, do that little project that I was uh, been talking about. Do it's it. a good time to launch it. Mr. Baseball. Yeah. Mr. Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best thing last week on my COVID sticker. When I was fucking editing back that I forgot we were doing Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball. <laughs> the episode just so stupid because no one up. listening knows what we're talking about. <laughs> and you never will. No, they do. maybe on patreon one day yeah maybe well phil let's get into it screw we've we've goofed around enough and you know this beard oil is only gonna stay on my my face (laughs) for like you know precious face 
another like hour or so probably so you know it's, it's precious it's yeah yeah time sensitive <laughs> so hey ladies and gentlemen we are now in week eight crazy eight fucking hell two of months our own going arc hitting the films you know what it is wes anderson versus paul thomas anderson right in the middle of it phil we're in the middle of it and smack dab in the middle like i just said my favorite film year of all time because both films this week and the one next week that we're talking about were released in the year of 2007 what a Holy. year what a year what a year and i feel like no time to be alive we're gonna talk Don't about it, another big film <laughs> uh from that year within this episode because it comes up a little bit you know oh big, yeah a big contender you know for some of the big wasn't it shot nearby shot it was it was shot nearby of course <laughs> so you know what time it is it's time for anderson versus anderson as you can see we've had our eye on Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Wait for it. Wait for it. Mr. Anderson. Welcome back. Ring that bell. <laughs> ding, ding. Ding. Round fucking eight. <laughs> Last week, Phil and I dived into the deep blue sea looking for the Jaguar shock and try not to drown in the daddy issues of Wes Anderson's The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Now, this God week, damn. our boy PTA is keeping to the single character driven story, but you know, he's stretching out that film length this time, stretching it back out. Not quite oh, three hours, it. but he's pushing it. It's almost there, and he's feeling bad about daddy again. God, he's feeling bad about his daddy again. Because he ain't got relationship problems. He stopped snorting the cocaine. Now he's got nothing but time to be feeling bad about his daddy. So Phil and I, (laughs) the fat prospectors that we are, we've got our high heels on and we're bound to strike some oil in Paul Thomason's, Paul Thomas Anderson's, Paul Paul Thomason's. Paul Thomerson's fuck I, like you know we're, we're gonna talk about Daniel Day Lewis why in the fuck does he have Daniel to have Tom just be Paul Anderson it's easier for Paul Thomas yeah. Paul Thomerson's fifth feature name of, Phil yeah. what's the film we're talking about today and there will <laughs> be blood <laughs> be blood because there will be blood you gotta wait two and a half hours, but there will be blood. Ladies and gentlemen, I've traveled over half our state to be here tonight. I couldn't get away sooner because my new well was coming in at Coyote Hills and I had to see about it. Ladies and gentlemen, if I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. I'm a family man. I run a family business. This is my son and my partner, H.W. Plainview. You boys are a regular family business. Now you have a great chance here. My son is a healer and a vessel for the Holy Spirit. He has a church. And you will be cast up as the rest back to perdition. I'm fixed like no other company in this field. I have a string of tools ready to put to work. That's why I can guarantee to start drilling and to put up the cash to back my word. I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what the others promise to do, comes to the showdown they won't be there 
a whole ocean of oil under our feet. No one can get at it except for me. We'll offer 150,000 for full title. When do we get our money, Daniel? I look at people and I see nothing worth liking. Don't bully me, Daniel, please! I see the worst in people. We have a sinner with us. Get out of here, devil! I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. I can't keep doing this on my own. With these, um, people. Ruthless, silver miner turned oil prospector Daniel Plainview, played by Daniel Day Lewis, <laughs> moves to oil-rich California using his adopted son H.W. Dylan Fraser to project a trustworthy family man image. Plainview cons local landowners into selling him their valuable properties for a pittance. What a pittance. However, local <laughs> preacher Eli Sunday Paul Dano, suspects Plainview's motives and intentions starting a slow-burning feud that threatens both of their lives. And by God, it is slow-burning. It's the 2007 epic period drama written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Phil, hot takes out the gate. There will be blood. There will be blood, uh, I think, in uh, a moth pit. Amen. <laughs> That's it. That, That's that, it. That's my test. I hope you weren't expecting any more, more yeah. any more than that. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. And yeah. There will be blood like amazing. I'd only seen it once before. Um, so I, I remember the big bit, but like that thing when you're rewatching it, it's like you don't realize all the stuff you're doing in between. And it's a movie that like takes time and is painfully restrained. You know, even more so than Punch Rock. Punch Rock is quite still in your face at times. And this has its moments, especially with like the score and stuff. But it's so like loose and laid back. And it's just this, like you said, slow burning epic story of father and son. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to like chew on. There's so much to love. There's so much. Nothing happens, but so much is happening. Yeah. Like. <laughs> In the like interaction, like underneath the surface, and it's so open for interpretation. That was the most fun part of it, watching with Dusty, where it's like, okay, but like, where did that come from? Where, what do you think? But like, Daniel Plainview is like one of the greatest movie characters ever. Yeah. Because you just don't know what to think about him. And it's great. It's just fucking great. Watch it. Watch the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, Absolutely, I would late yeah. to the party on it. And it's long, but you don't feel it. I had to take a break in the middle. Like I said, like I told you earlier, because it's pushing three hours, but you don't feel it. I was so happy to watch it, mm. and it only gets better. I mean, they test you first half an hour, not even half an hour. I'm overestimating. Twenty minutes, no dialogue. Yeah. We had it with dinner. <laughs> yeah. We we watched it with dinner, and we were done with dinner before the first line of dialogue had been spoken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what about you? Know, That'll be blood. Dude, 
I've said this a couple of times and I'm always sort of slightly hush hush and I feel like I, I'm happy to manifest this like idea and this thought about 2007 like a little bit mm. you know put it out there say it maybe speak it it'll come true that sort of stupid vibe you know um yeah, yeah. i can't call it stupid because then that's me being negative and i gotta be positive it's not I'm, stupid. I'm trying to be positive i'm trying to be more more positive um but yeah 2007 is my favorite film year ever i'm trying to figure out why and the whole purpose of of this idea i have is uh to to deep dive on that year and talk about all the films that came out the year and i've only talked about a couple of films from 2007 on this podcast very specifically because I wanted to save some of these things for this project. Unfortunately, yeah. with the current you know arc we're doing, two of the big films from 2007 <laughs> are going to be talked about in the next two weeks. But yeah, we'll do a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> but we've we've also previously talked about Zodiac, which is another heavy mm. film from that year. So I don't know what oh it is God. about that year. If I was like me turning 18, that's the whole thing I'm, I'm trying to figure out. And you feel a little bit more free to go do things and see things. And um, you're seeing, you know, some excellent films come out that year as well. It was a year of the Western. This film is that sort of slight, like, you know, yeah, slight Western vibe. Yeah. So there was a lot to love about this film when I first saw it. I wasn't sure about it. It's not the first Paul Thomas Anderson film I saw, but it's the first one that I could say that I fell in love with. Um, right. Cause we've yeah. covered a couple of the films in previous weeks uh, that I saw when I was a teenager that I didn't quite uh, latch on to. As I talked about like, you know, Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Like I remember enjoying them when I first saw them, but I didn't remember them. And I'd never really tapped into him again, never really saw him again until we rewatched it for this. And it was nice getting fresh eyes on it. Punch Drunk Love, I had seen it before. I knew I liked it, so I knew I was getting into. So it was easy. And that's an easier, it's kind of different. It's an easy one. But this one, I absolutely knew. That, and like you said, I think it's a masterpiece. It's one of uh, probably like three films I would say are masterpieces from 2007. That I'm comfortable with saying. Oh, yeah. yeah from 2007 yeah. as well. Yeah. And they're all like sort of either straight up westerns or quasi westerns so um yeah, what a year we'll talk about another one of those that i think is a masterpiece later in this episode which you've already sort of slightly hinted at um and then <laughs> the third that i will say is dark horse for one of my favorites from that year is the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford top to bottom that film is sick great writing great <laughs> acting amazing score awesome cinematography uh, it's insane that film, but we're not talking about that film today. We're talking about There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood got one of the best acting performances ever from Daniel Day Lewis. Oh my god, you forget Paul Dano steals the fucking show. How, yeah, a young Paul Dano going toe to fucking toe. Yeah, with Daniel Day Lewis. And some of the shit we're gonna bring up in this episode is stuff I didn't know about until I started to to work on this episode, and. I, I didn't know about some of the things with, with Mr. Paul Dano, so it's kind of interesting um, some of the stuff he went through with this and uh, other people who were linked to the role that he's in. Uh, so mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's kind of it's an interesting one, and I think that kind of, like, I think we should get into it because, like you said, there's, like, multiple ways you can interpret it. Um, it was very weird when I first saw it. Um, my sister is the one, first one who went to see this film. Uh, she went to see it, like... Uh, a few weeks before I went, or, or maybe in a few days before, uh, and was raving about it. And 
we we went to see it together. I drove out, you know, it's one of those things. I think that's another thing I like about that year because I was like, I said, like I said, I was an adult finally. And it's mm. like feeling like I didn't need to ask my mom, oh, I'm going to drive 45 minutes out of my hometown to go to the only movie theater the that's showing like there will be blood because it wasn't shown in my hometown. So I like went all yeah. the way there, saw this shit. And that that's fucking cool. Paramount Vantage, like, you know, logo oh, comes up on yeah. screen. Same Nostalgia. fucking company as well that the other big film that we're going to talk about later, that fucking Paramount Vantage logo just comes up on the screen. It's yeah. it hit. It's like, dude, seeing that logo and it was those particular films from that time. The typewriter. The, yeah, shit. yeah. It it like hits the way seeing TriStar, yeah. like the TriStar fucking like Pegasus flying like from when I watched Hook as a kid. Like you know what you're going to watch. Yeah. You know what films or you associate films with that logo. And it's not always... You, you could be watching X random film that happens to be a TriStar film or X random film that's a Paramount Vantage film, but like you always associate that fucking opening logos like with particular films that were important to you. And that's how I feel yeah. about like this film. It was so awesome to see the first time. My sister was kind of warning me. She's like, you know, it's slow. It's weird. Um, it's it's like, it's, it, yeah, it's a very like, like uh, different kind of vibe. But you might not like it. And I instantly, like, I was just like, actually, I loved it. It's, it's beautiful to look at. Yeah, I know you mean. I bet you were in a similar position with me, not for this one, but for the next one, because I was old enough to see the master when that finally hit. Mm-hmm. I was probably 18 by the time that one came out. I was 14 when this one came out. I yeah. didn't watch it. But the master came at the perfect time where I was going to see movies by myself and I could choose what to watch. And I was like, this movie looks cool. It's by the guy who did Boogie Nights, sure. And I watched it and it fucking blew my mind because mm. it was so weird and different. It was everything I wanted and didn't know I wanted yet. It was like, I guess your first like mainstream art house flick, I guess you could say it like that. But something like, you know, you're going to see the to movies for 18 years, but how many times do you get to see something new like that yeah. on the screen? Mm-hmm. Something that challenges you. Yeah. And there'll be like still, I, I've, seen, I've seen loads of movies like that now, and there'll be like still mm-hmm. challenges me and forces me to confront things, and I relate to it, to parts of it I really don't like. And I, yeah, I think that's part of it. It's like growing up through the movie. Mm. Like, like, you, like, that's probably a big thing with that 2007 year. Like, you know, you're nostalgic for something, but there are other things that are like actually force you out of that era of nostalgia and they become important. Yeah. 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 Development. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like a good point on something like that year of 2007, because other things that I hold really strongly are like films from the early nineties, you know, like things that I completely grew up with watching 10 billion times on cassette tapes or, or if it was on TV. Yeah. yeah. All those Hook, films. Yeah. Hulk like Sandlot, the Ninja Turtle films. Great. Like, yeah. Yeah. All these man. things, like just things I watched all the time. And then, yeah, these, these films, yeah. Just becoming an adult became important to me. It's, it's crazy. This film's like really, really good, man. Like, uh, <laughs> so much to like. About <laughs> it's hard it. to overstate it. Yeah. yeah. There's so much to like about it. Important piece of American cinema. I think that will, be remembered for years and for sure you you can really feel pta's growth with this film because like he grows up it's finally growing up he's done like i think magnolia was really fucking good really impressive but it is really if it is really long 
I didn't feel like mm. it was too bad, but I think like I was really wanting to watch that film when I watched it. And um, instead of like, you know, sometimes you feel like you're having to watch something and the length can get the better of you sometimes. And that like, I don't know, like he, he you know, Boogie Nights felt longer in my opinion and it was shorter. And he, <laughs> you know, he really like, I mean, like, it's kind of a perfect length with uh, Punch Rock Love, a fun little story, and he, like, it gets really simplified. But now we get to see how PTA can take a more simplified story, stretch out the length a little bit, and then just really showcase everything that he's learned in filmmaking so far, like the mm. shots and compositions and colors and, uh, like, the way to use, like, shadows and uh, to really to yeah. work with the story. I mean, like, that fucking scene where... Daniel, like Day. Daniel Day <laughs> Lewis, Daniel Plainview looks at his brother, and they're on the beach, and oh, the, the and he's like, silhouette, yeah, that like silhouette and he of him, and jutted face and in the sun, yeah, and, it, and holy shit, yeah, and like you see Daniel looking at him, and it's like it's there's so much there in the story of just like him being in the light and feeling that he's right and looking at his brother who he doesn't trust. Cause he like thinks something's up and he's in the dark mm. and then like, he's proven to be right. That that guy was a fucking phony, but like, you yeah. know, it's like insane how like simple, like his storytelling got with this. And he just didn't need to, you know, use so much dialogue or like, you know, it doesn't yeah. seem as, coke fueled chaotic anymore either you know what i mean like it's like it's quiet it's fucking, and meditative yeah and makes you sit in it and yeah. feel every moment so like just i'll hop on that one that scene just that moment where he hits the water i mean dusty pointed it out and then shoot right it's just that relief of being in the ocean because mm. you've been just staring at desert and fire and mud and oil <laughs> yeah. and like yeah. dirty men working backbreaking jobs, just fucking living like the hardest life and then yeah. just him swimming. Yeah. You know, there's something really to that, like letting those moments really breathe and let them have their full impact and how much you can tell, like how much does he really interact with his son in this movie? But fucked if there are, arc for both of them you yeah. feel and you understand everything they do and the more you watch the more it makes sense what you've just seen mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm referencing that specific bit where he sets the fire yeah you know like yeah, you yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. what's going on there until later and then he realizes what the fuck the kid was trying to do and it's like all these things and it's like again it's tapping into that thing pta loves to do now where it's like a some people don't like the term, but it is a toxic masculinity yeah. that he's yeah, yeah. dealing with. Definitely. It's men who can't fucking express themselves, and yeah. it leads to a fucking empty, lonely, dirty, sinful grave. You know, yeah. just like you're watching essentially a man descend into madness because he is just so filled with hate and greed, and he cannot find any compassion for people. And you you see the monster he becomes at the end. That's the moment where you just remember that fuck. Yeah. This is a Daniel Day Lewis movie. Yeah, and that whole monologue that he does at the end is some of the greatest acting yeah. I have ever seen put on <laughs> so screen. Good. It's my so favorite good. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. It's my favorite he's ever looked. Yeah, just like complete. Like I just don't see anything but the character. Yeah, and yeah, it's just a movie that gives you so much by 
doing less. And I guess that's it's just the old adage of less is more, but mm. I haven't seen a better example than this. I feel like you wish you could just like replicate that. You're like, he barely done, there's not much dialogue. Yeah, I feel it. I'm mm. feeling this, whatever yeah. he wants me to yeah. do. And I'm fucking really invested and I'm really emotional by the end. It's a really sad, fucking bleak art movie. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And yet really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's so beautiful to look at as well. I mean, this film definitely, and it had some strong, strong fucking uh, contenders and competition out there, but it definitely earned its best cinematography uh, Academy Award. For sure. Because, I mean, you're going against Roger Deakins, like, fucking killing it in No Country. Yeah. I mean, no there we country, go. No Country. That's the one. Locomotive. That's the one. If you haven't caught on yet, that that's the one. The Those other are the two big, big ones. Holy shit. I always confused year. the two when I was younger because yeah. they were just always heavily associated with each other, yeah. even though they're completely different movies. Absolutely, those yeah. were the big yeah, well, it's, modern neo-Western. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about a little more, more as we go, but I mean, there's some big fucking characters that year. And like, you know, Anton Chigurh, like, he's fucking... It's insane. You know what I mean? Like, it's insane to have these, like, two insanely powerful performances in that same year. You know, performances that would linger for years to come. Yeah. Like, I feel like people are still kind of doing heavier by them in that movie. Mm -hmm. Even he did it again in Skyfall. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's always kind of doing that. Like, that became that and, like, Joker. Mm -hmm. Because that was the year after sort of cemented this is what a modern movie villain looks like do this for the foreseeable future yeah and I, you know like how in the 90s it was Hannibal Lecter that was your guy and there would every villain kind of looked like that and it's the same sort of thing you just yeah. un, it, it, you don't even notice it but in every movie that's how much of a uh, impact these two had absolutely yeah and I, I want to harp back on like what you were saying about the toxic max- masculinity of you know of like the themes of that uh, of this film. I know we're like what four or five years from PTA's last film. Mm-hmm. We know it's a bit of time. Um, you you said last week or sorry the last episode of PTA that like yeah I think he's like stopped doing you know coke after this and <laughs> I, I wonder if this this uh, more meditative like the way you've said it, meditative sort of approach and look at the story and like the storytelling and um, it's slower and more quiet. If if this is a more thoughtful approach by design, like he's he knows what he's doing or if it's like he didn't really intend that way, but he kind of created this monster out of like, you know, just not really like knowing that he's doing it, like just really it just came from, you know, his experience and stuff of, you know, just almost mm. like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying, I'm trying to put the right words to what I'm trying to say. I think, you know, I know what I mean. I think this viewpoint, yeah. I don't know how much intentional it was or yeah. if it was just something that came with sobriety and age. Yeah. You yeah. slow down, you stop, he, you know, we the last three, four movies and a young man yeah. who's determined and he's proving a point and he's yeah. full of piss and vinegar drugs and he's like making a point he's fucking yeah. breaking down the door in hollywood and it's like these are my movies and i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want and you know it's like 20 main characters three hours long <laughs> yeah. sure it's heavy-handed and it's, yeah. you know non-stop music and camera moves 
And it's like, but that's probably how he saw the world. That's probably how he lived life. Yeah. And then this point, it's like, but look how things change once you just slow down and you think about it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but how did my relationship with my father actually affect me as a person? Okay, let's explore that. And let's explore <laughs> yeah. that through the prism of like an old oil baron from turn of the century. Yeah. And now you have all these added layers of uh, the American, you know, frontier and li- how life was changing. And then the, the depression and like, capitalism and like you have all these things that are feeding into it but that's not the movie isn't explicitly about that it's all background but it feeds into it and it doesn't hold your hand through any of it you know you can pick up what he's doing you know they don't have to explain to you how fucking oil works i mean he did there are a few scenes where he yeah. does just sit there and talking you know put a drill through the ground <laughs> dig <laughs> dig for it like this <laughs> and you sell it back yeah. to them and quail price <laughs> you know shit like that yeah. uh, but it doesn't it just lets you figure it out it's yeah. one of those movies as well it doesn't treat you like an idiot um but yeah i don't yeah i don't know how much it was intentional is it, is it PTA pulling back or is it PTA just growing into this person? Yeah. Like, would would he, it would this have been the film he made, you know, earlier if he wasn't, you know, young and, you know. Young, dumb. Like young, doing, dumb. Yeah. Full of calm. Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't that, but yeah. then that wouldn't, I don't think you could make that. A yeah. fucking 20 year old can't make till there will be blood. Yeah. I say that. You could probably, you could probably give me an example where that. Yeah. Like how old was fucking Orson Welles when he made Nathan Kane? Like way too young to make that movie. <laughs> yeah. a movie with like a life behind it. Yeah. Like Wise beyond his it. years. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but he was, there'll be one still feels like a movie that should have been made by like Clint Eastwood, John Ford, like <laughs> yeah. an old Hollywood yeah. guy, an old man who had been set in his way, but you can't, they wouldn't have had that unique take on it. It wouldn't have been any of the things that make There Will Be Blood special. Yeah. And interesting. And not just another Western. I don't know how the fuck he made this movie. You know, like, I don't know where it came from. Like, I know it's based off a book and stuff. I don't know how close to the. He obviously worked for a long time mm. at it. And he does that more often now. He, five years is pretty normal between yeah. his movies. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know how the. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, is, I said it in the first episode. Like, I don't know how he made this movie. They're yeah. crazy. They shouldn't work they do i i haven't seen like the master yet and i'm really like i've said that already i can't wait for you to but, watch uh, that i haven't seen it i'm looking forward to it because i know it's meant to be great um it's just i don't know why i didn't it's see that my one. favorite and I'll, I'll maybe try to figure that out when we get to that one on the next episode for pta but mm. um try to figure out what what was in the way what was in the way that year that i like stupidly just didn't make time to see that film yet I I struggle to think because I've seen a couple of the others past that, and I'm just I'm struggling to think of like, will there be a better one for me? For then there would be blood, and then you can take that with what you will for next week when we do rankings mm. at the end of uh, yeah. Limited. Like you know, it's it's a fucking good movie. I'm not sure PTA will make another one that's that fucking good and it, it it's a film i think most people would agree with you yeah yeah objectively i think it considered it best and yeah you know what fuck it most directors are lucky to get one yeah 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 and i think yeah. he had a couple i think he had a few yeah. actually but i think at least everyone can agree that there'll be blood it definitely yeah and good one. i think it's his last film i could be wrong about this that uh he uses the cinemascope 
ratio for and it's a film built for cinemascope like holy shit like i've already talked yeah. about the cinematography the wide it's, open vista yeah uh, like it feels like he doesn't definitely. do as many of the like you know hey i'm like really like you know cool i'm a cool filmmaker who's doing all these cool camera tricks it's like it he slows that shit down as well and he lets like he lets that fucking landscape work for him as well Breathe. and it's like yeah it's a beautiful film to look at it's crazy how oh, holy beautiful shit. it is but yeah you're right there will be blood it is partially based on a novel by upton sinclair called oil the novel oil <laughs> oil with an exclamation point yeah with an exclamation point <laughs> The novel follows a young man who is the son of an oil tycoon who grows sympathetic to the plight of the oil field workers and provokes arguments with his father throughout the story. It's essentially a story about socialism versus capitalism, and the mm. film can hardly be considered an adaptation, but PTA basically has called it a starting point throughout the years. Well, good that he gave credit. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, project first got its start from writer Eric Schlosser, who wrote the book Fast Food Nation, which did get adapted by Richard Linklater in 2006. Mm. Schlosser got, he got like, uh, like on a really big Upton Sinclair kick after people kept comparing Fast Food Nation to Upton Sinclair's works. So then he was just like, all right, I'm going to go, you know, read all these, these uh, books by Upton Sinclair. And when he read Oil, he thought it'd make a great film, so he basically sought to to buy the film rights uh, from the Sinclair estate and find a director who was passionate about the book as he was to direct the film. Mm -hmm. But it turns out, while in London, Paul Thomas Anderson found a copy of the book, and he was drawn to the cover illustration of a California oil field, and he just like loved the look of that, and he read the book, and he just loved it. And uh, he reached out to Schlosser instead of Schlosser finding someone. He like, I oh, guess funny. he was doing work, like who owns like the Start rights to the this, line. you know, I want to, I want to get the rights to this. And yeah, he met with uh, Schlosser and they agreed to make the film together. So now Schlosser is listed as an executive producer and PTA basically took care of the rest. So <laughs> when it came to writing the screenplay, PTA said, I can remember the way that my desk looked with so many different scraps of paper and books about the oil industry in the 20th, early 20th century, mixed with pieces of other scripts that I had written. Everything was coming from mm. so many different sources, but the book was a great stepping stone. It was so cohesive. The way Upton Sinclair wrote about that period and his experiences around the oil fields and these independent oil men. That said, the book is so long that it's only the first couple hundred pages that we ended up using because there's a certain point where he strays really far from what the original story is. Uh, so we were really unfaithful to the book. Uh, so <laughs> that yeah. would also prompt him to change the title from Oil to There Will Be Blood. And holy shit, one of the greatest <laughs> movie titles yeah, it's ever. Such a great Just name. ever. Yeah. Holy shit. And yeah, he said that because there's not enough of the book to feel like it's a proper adaptation. Fair enough. And yeah, Oil is a great title, but There Will Be Blood is like, I've said it before on the podcast, I'm big on titles. Mm -hmm. Title is like half the battle for me. Yeah. I would go see something with a cool title because I feel like I'm not wasting my time. Yeah. Like Too Fast, and Too Furious. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> How can you not see that? That's why I didn't see Fate of the Furious because I was yeah. like, fuck this. Yeah. 
But no, there will be blood. No country for old name, old men. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. And I love long time. Yeah. Oh my Just god, give, give me a good me. long time. Why not? Just fucking give it to me. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, yeah there will be blood. It's one of my favorite. Like it. It. You know, it should. People should be ashamed if they fucking writing stuff called like. Fate of the Fury. <laughs> or, or fucking Or the if they're just baby. writing that film. Ari and I were like doing the the uh the new tops and bottoms to the franchise. Like, hey, go listen to franchise. Check it out. Check it out. Uh it's a fun show, man. And we're gonna have season two soon with Phil joining the crew. So it's gonna be really fun. We got a really nice season two lined up. But Ari and I were doing the new tops and bottoms because we previously recorded all these episodes over at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. So you can go listen to the episodes before they even come out. Hey, um, $5 or more a month get you bonus episodes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, shameless plug. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we uh, were recording the tops and bottoms to these episodes because like we needed to brand them properly for franchise. And it just really brought up like memories of how much we hated fate of the fairies. <laughs> it's just like such a shitty movie. Oh man. It's the film that anyone who wants to talk shit about fast and the furious instantly can be justified for like everything they say is justifiable. If they've only watched that film, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, it's everything it's worse wrong than with fast and Tokyo furious. drift. Yeah, I'm it is. Fast. It hit, they hit the bottom cool, of the barrel. Yeah. Yeah. It's just impressive. Well, let's get into the cast of a film that it's not shitty. There will be blood. Um, Daniel Day <laughs> Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Lewis Jr. Yeah, the third. God. I was joking with Phil before we started this. I was just like, dude, every time I had to write Daniel Day Lewis, I was just really annoyed. I was like, what's wrong? It's Daniel Lewis. Come on. Daniel Day <laughs> Lewis. Daniel Day. Yeah. Not as memorable, I guess. Yeah. It's a hyphenated name, people. God. How pretentious these British actors. <laughs> Plays a man by the name of Daniel Plainview. We've already said it. I mean, one of the top like characters in film history yeah. up there. One of the best performances, best performances put on ever. screen. Holy shit. Insane. Unrecognizable. Yeah. Just like posh British dude playing the gruffest, like classic American man. Yeah, like you know, it's face fucking carved out, <laughs> carved out of fucking rock. Yeah, you know, he looks like he he looks like one of the fucking presidents on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, and he got like the broken nose and the he, he just gets more fucked up at the film going on his eyes are small and teary eyed and bloodshot and he's just full of dirt and scars and he got the mm, that fucking mustache. He's God full damn. of fucking anger as well. It's insane. Oh, you feel it. You the feel it in how he walks, how he talks, everything. Yes. And it's like, where did this come from? Like This fucking resentment yeah. he had to the human race. Yeah. This need for everyone else to fail. And he needs to be the, o- the only one who succeeds. He said it to his brother. He's like, you know, I I don't like for other people to succeed. And that's mm. a big thing yeah. that, you know, it turns his own, himself, it, you know, it makes him turn against his own son by the end. Yeah. He has to be the guy. He has to be the one who comes into this town and brings all the wealth and brings the schools and the church. And it's like you have to make sure they know who's in fucking charge here. Mm-hmm. Like showing up that fucking dad in front of his daughter. You know, all yeah. those little moments yeah, like yeah. that. No more hitting, right? Yeah. No more hitting. <laughs> yeah. And then and then he just fucking sits back over. and the guy sat right there. Yeah, he and he ain't over. saying shit. <laughs> 
Oh my god! Yeah. I could watch this, and again, I—they just—they go hand in hand. And I'll try not to go too much into detail this time. I'll say it more when we hit the master because I think they parallel each other mm. in nice ways in terms of themes and arcs. But like Whacking Phoenix and Philip C. Marshall in that, but specifically Whacking Phoenix in that and Daniel Day Lewis in this are just two of my favorite performances ever. And I don't, again, it's something I don't know how much PTA, obviously, Daniel Day Lewis is a great actor, mm-hmm. but he seemed to get the best performance out of him possible. Yeah, through, it's crazy. Like, through this movie. I, I, I mean, I could just get into what I have about it because it kind of explains yeah, a little it. bit of like what they were thinking. I mean, PTA, he did write the part of Daniel Plainview with Daniel Day-Lewis in mind. You know, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like the, when we were talking about like um, Punch Drunk Love, we were talking about how PTA had like a couple of people in mind that he wanted to work with. And that like those people were Adam Sandler, which he did work with and Daniel day Lewis and also Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix, which we'll talk about next week. But these were people knocked them all out. He really wanted to work with and he fucking did it. Um, and longtime PTA producer, Joanne Seller, who uh, we talked about last week or sorry, the last episode with uh, Adam Sandler, just not being sure, not being sold on the whole Adam Sandler idea. She basically said that there will be blood may have never happened had Daniel Day-Lewis not taken the, the part. She said the film yeah. was really hard to finance because the studios didn't think it had the scope of a major picture and it took two years to acquire financing for it with the film even being like like the script even being one of the, on the infamous blacklist in 2006 which <laughs> is the uh the list of scripts that are so damn good but nobody going to make no it. one's going to make them which quite a few of them do get made eventually but there's a couple on there i think that just kind of never get made and they're they're meant to be some mm. of the best scripts out there luckily though daniel day lewis was just as excited about the idea of working with pta as pta was with working with him and when PTA learned this, he got up the courage to send him the script. And Daniel Day-Lewis said, initially, it's all about the script, but in PTA's case, I certainly knew his films and was already already admired him a great deal, and most particularly for his recent film, Punch Drunk Love. So even the very idea of working with him, when the word ca- uh, came, was something I was intrigued by. Nonetheless, had I read the script and not felt drawn into the world that he created out of respect for him, I would have said, get somebody else because I can't help you here. But I was very Mm -hmm. drawn to the idea of working with him. And Daniel Day Lewis said that what really drew him to the film was the darkness of plain view. He didn't do much prep aside from reading the first 150 pages of oil, which is kind of funny because that's like basically getting that fucking voice down. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's kind of a, it's, it's an interesting one with the, the voice. A little bit of that seems to come from John Houston. People of uh, mm. basically PTA, a big inspiration. I am an oil man, <laughs> as you can see. Yeah, a big inspiration for PTA, PTA for this film was John Houston's The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, uh, which apparently he was rumored God to have damn. watched every night before Great he movie. began filming. So Great movie. He, he, he said that's a bit of an exaggeration, but apparently he did watch it quite a bit. Um, but yeah, even Daniel Day-Lewis was rumored to have been inspired by the director, John Huston himself for the role of Daniel Plainview. He disputes that he based his character's mannerisms on, on the director, but 
he did say he listened to some tapes of John Houston talking and it appealed to him. That helped. So I think, mm. you know, you could basically say, yeah, he probably, he probably did get a lot of that. You know, that voice. Again, it was a starting point. Yeah. <laughs> like the book was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seems like the whole thing. But I mean, like, yeah, Daniel Day Lewis, man, it's insane how he can really, he can do some. And there's a funny story about uh, about him uh, coming up with when it comes to another character in this film. But I, yeah, it's, 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 he can do some fucking, you know, very dramatic and like nice roles. But man, does he play like a villain very well? Oh, he played the Arthur so yeah. fucking well, and it's a weird one because it's not very, it's not a very uh, sentimental. You know, they're not sentimental with it. It's not. Yeah. They try. They're trying to it. They let him be shit. Like he's an right awful fucking bastard. person. Yeah, yeah, well, but he's our guy. He is our lead, mm-hmm. and there are moments where I really feel for him, and he just makes me feel bad. You just feel like he's the fucking lost cord, and you wish you could. Almost help him, but he's, yeah, he's fucking piece of work down yeah. in Plainview. Runaway yeah, train. Yeah, I, I can't can't think of anyone that could play him than Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite Daniel Day Lewis. It's up there with because uh, I I really like you know regardless of what people think of the film, I like uh, his, the the butcher in Gangster yeah. New York. I think he's yeah, amazing yeah. in that movie. Yeah. And uh, I mean, great in Phantoms. I mean, great in everything. Fucking Daniel Day Lewis. It's hard to. People will say Daniel Day Lewis. It's like, of course I like Daniel Day Lewis because he's an amazing actor, but I never see Daniel Day Lewis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a, you know, there's two, I mean, not to generalize, there are kind of two kinds of actors. It's like one that brings a lot of themselves to the role, and that's why you like them. Like a classic movie star like Brad Pitt or George Clooney, you know kind of what you're getting because you yeah. like George Clooney, you'll like him in this thing. Yeah. He has the same mannerisms and the same inflections and stuff. Even with those old and school actors are, like a Jimmy Stewart or, you know. Jimmy you know, Stewart's a like, great you know, example. It's just yeah. like he's, you love him because you love him, you know, and it's Exactly, like, and you'll go yeah, see whatever. Absolutely, yeah. And then you have your method actors who completely lose themselves in the role mm-hmm. to the point where you don't fucking see him. There's like not, you know, any wasted moment like he'd always Daniel Plainview and yeah. Wacky Phoenix does that as well in the master yeah. web like there's no point where you doubt that's what you're watching you're not even watching a movie anymore it feels like you're watching a documentary especially because <laughs> yeah. it's so yeah it's so well done and it's so well to me for someone who doesn't know anything about that time really it looks fucking authentic as shit it's, it's what I th- imagine it to look I like I think it was very well researched for sure yeah and it's just like I don't even understand where you even get these fucking places. Do they just? Did you just? Did you find a plot of land? Did you make this town like these just wide open fucking American wasteland, just mountains and canyons and yeah. voids and desert, far as the eye can see, like leading up to the the ocean, like along California. And I don't. And I was joking with Dusty. It's like all these fucking wide shots. If one plane flies over this fucking crew the whole shot is ruined <laughs> yeah. and there's loads of shot where they're just waiting that had to have and i love that times, you know but, and i love it because it builds so yeah. much distant that one in particular i like when his son comes back and you know he'd reunited with him and he let that play out way in the distance the camera's way like way far away from that 
but the but Daniel Day Lewis is mic'd up, so you can hear what he's saying to his son. So you feel it feels really intimate yet so far away. Mm-hmm. And yet and if that's not a fucking metaphor for their whole relationship, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. like like yeah. everything they're doing is just perfect. Yeah. That, the day crushed it. <laughs> the day crushed it. <laughs> Did, they, did he win for this? Did he win he did. for this? He did, yeah. Won Thank answer, God. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no fucking justice. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's like one of those things like, uh, thank God uh, Javier Bardem was the supporting actor. Supporting. And they <sighs> didn't have to face off against each other. Because, yeah, that would be Could you imagine? Hard. That would be hard. Yeah. It'd be really I would hard. still say Day Lewis, but that's a preference. Yeah, I mean, it's a different category in that, you know. It's a different story. It, like, I never had to think about it, like, too much because they weren't in the, they weren't in, you know, competition with each other. So, it's like, it's hard, man, because those are two very scary performances as well. Like, scary. Like, that's the thing. Like, Dan, like we were talking about already Daniel Day-Lewis. He's, like, so good at playing fucking evil villains. I mean, The Butcher that I I'm not the biggest fan of Gangs of New York. There, I think there's I don't dislike it, but I don't I don't rate it as one of my favorite Scorsese films. Like I I think there's like there's a lot of problems and faults for me with that film, but mm. um Daniel Day-Lewis is not one of them. He's like yeah. he's fucking scary in that film. Um and he scary he fucking shit. he's scary in this film as well. And it's one of those weird things. It's like it doesn't make sense like how he can be so fucking heartless and evil and angry and just like everything and like, you know, and a capitalist and just like all these things that you could hate about a person. But like, yeah, yeah, you don't hate this film or that performance because he's so goddamn good and believable. It's like (sighs) definitely my favorite Daniel Day-Lewis role. Um, Yeah. The character Daniel Plainview, though, it bears some resemblance to the real early 20th century oil California oil tycoon named Edward L. Doheny. Both were from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, which is the town he mentions, or his brother. You came all the way from Wisconsin to tell me that? <laughs> and both were employed by Geological Survey and worked in Kansas. Both tried their hand at mining before going into the oil business. Uh, and both worked with a fellow prospector named H.B. Alman. As for other Plainview Doheny connections, the bowling alley scene in There Will Be Blood was filmed at Greystone Manor, which was a California estate that Doheny built as a present for his only son. So they actually, PTA wow. being a bit of a nerd, going there, actually filming there. I think I did read that he was like wanting to... I think he wanted to like paint it or redesign it or whatever, but then they, I think they decided like, no, nah, don't do that. Cause <laughs> the I think, historical building. yeah. And also I think they were going to s- possibly sell it like after. So they were just like, dude, just leave it alone. So he left it as it was, but it's like a really great, I mean, that scene. Great holy, shit. holy shit. And oh my God. We'll get there. The fucking bowling yeah. alley. <laughs> also, interestingly, the uh, infamous milkshake speech, which is in that scene. Yeah. Plainview, I drunk it up. He gives this, uh, it's based on um, transcripts of congressional hearings concerning the Teapot Dome scandal in which the very same Edward L. Doheny had been accused of bribing a political official and there was a use of uh, the word milkshake. Um, <laughs> to explain that, yeah. In that film. And uh, Phil, I think it's time. 
talking about milkshakes. This film, if, if if the last PTA film was all about pudding, this fucking film's <laughs> all about milkshakes. So, snack time! We hope it's alright, we know it's not over, but now we're having snack time to maintain status quo. Snack time. It's snack time. <laughs> shake it up bro shake it up shaka bro shaka 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 we got shaka. the same thing but not the same brand yeah, yeah. Fuck phil and i are like really in sync now um we don't tell each other what we're gonna it get could, but it's like it can't it be could, anything it else. couldn't be anything yeah. it'd be this or steak and fucking whiskey yeah you know jesus all right we're talking milkshakes we both have Milkshakes. Um, <laughs> Milkshakes. What flavor did you go for, man? I went I went because it's it's oil. What do you like? The oil in this film was of course fake. Um it's fake. Do you know what it oil, was? But the recipe for the fake oil that was put into the eighty foot oil derricks included stuff mm. that they put in the chocolate milkshakes at McDonald's. Really? Yeah. So I didn't get I a McDonald's. I thought it with uh Coke syrup. I heard it was mostly that. It might be some, but they also put like some. I of think that it's shit. like a combination yeah. of stuff. And, That's cool. Uh, so I decided to get a milkshake, not from McDonald's, because I don't want to fucking patron McDonald's. Um, uh, but I don't want to shit myself later. I got a uh, shaken udder. Udder. Uh, oh, the cow on it. Udder. Uh, Discover delicious dairy chocolate made with Belgian chocolate. Ooh, that looks good, man. Go for it. Oh, crack it open. And Jonathan had to taste back, just so everybody knows. Yeah. Actually, that's pretty good. It's nice. I, I got it because it wasn't, it was made with no artificial flavors or preservatives. Um, so, yeah, it's meant to be a little, maybe a little bit healthier. I don't know. Hey, B12 mm. for natural immunity support. <laughs> back of the neck. <laughs> uh, what'd you get? Chug it down. I got. It's a fancy one. Cause I just wanted to get like a Yoohoo or something. But then we were yeah. in uh Ooh, Waitrose. And I ooh. saw this and I was like, this looks perfect. It it's Bear Bell's functional food milkshake. Mm-hmm. It just looks great. Yeah. It's vanilla. Cause I like a vanilla milkshake. I like a banana milkshake. My brother turned me on to that. That's really good. But vanilla's good. Vanilla flavor, lactose free, no added sugar. This is also, uh, I think I bought the wrong one because uh, this is a protein shake. Oh. <laughs> There's a 24 grams of protein in it. I'm going to be <laughs> fucking mad ripped by the end of this episode, <laughs> just so you know. You're going to be swallowed as a motherfucker. Yeah, uh, you don't even fucking know. I almost got like go. a one of those, like, um, I can't remember what it was called. It was a really stupid name, so I didn't get it. Because the name was so stupid, it was offensive, but it was a protein milkshake. <laughs> yeah. All right. It doesn't look like a protein milkshake. It looks pretty inconspicuous, but yeah, yeah let's let's check, let's throw it down. Sounds good. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. 
Good. I drink your milk. milkshake. <laughs> mm. I drink it up. And I, f- <laughs> and if I have a straw and it goes all the way over, and reach it into your cup. Dude, I uh, I think that's, that's literally really literally kind of what this man Doheny said at this congressional hearing. Like he literally made a reference of like using a straw that goes across the room in <laughs> this weird bribing case or whatever. I what have a- no idea what it was even about. I, I looked into it a little bit, but I was just like, dude, I don't care enough to look into this. Like, I don't think the listeners care enough. If you want, go look up the teapot dome scandal. That's all I could say. Cause you know, you know, and also I was still recovering from COVID and uh, that's my excuse. So how many oil derricks yeah. are you giving uh, your your milkshake? This is a hard one. This feels like this feels like a dangerous drink. I feel yeah. like I can't finish this because there's a lot of protein in it. <laughs> Mine's you know? not as it's, heavy, so it it's feels quite nice. heavy. Yeah. You know, like I, I've had like three sips, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah, I fucking feel that." You know, I'm not gonna fucking drink a protein shake. I didn't fucking work out today. I'm not one of these people to just walk around and drink protein shakes and act like that's what makes them fucking healthy. <laughs> you know, you don't understand what protein shakes are for. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's throwing me off like the taste and the heaviness of it. It tastes nice. It's sweet and mm-hmm. vanilla-y, but like, yeah, that's a protein shake for sure. <laughs> um, give it a three. Call it three. Yeah, I'd give mine Actually, uh, two and a half. Two and a half. I'll give mine a solid. Because I don't think I don't think I'll have this again. <laughs> I'll give mine a solid four. If if I it kind of tastes like chocolate milk. Three. If I want something like that, you know, this is pretty good yeah. flavored. But also, hey man, because it's a Saturday and and uh, I'm free of COVID and uh, you know Here having a good time. We've got a uh, snack time bonus because I'm an adult. I'm trying. Uh, you can drink legally. Brew dog. Brew dog. Tony Tony's hop alone. No. Say this is almost a th- fuck off. Is that real? Yeah, I didn't know it was real. No way. So I had a Tony's oh chocolate. Oh my god, you got to try it. A few yeah. months ago. Um. So now we're Chocolonely. having a lonely Tony's hop lonely because <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis in this film as Daniel Plainview is such a angry bastard that he's going to be lonely, lonely his whole entire life. Oh, I got blue Tony's hop lonely white chocolate and raspberry milkshake IPA. Uh, oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, man. Try it. God, try it. Tell me. I want to know. You know what? Uh, <laughs> it's not bad. It's, it's, I thought Wait. it would taste a little bit more like, a, I don't know, maybe because it's an IPA. Does it taste like white chocolate or raspberry? It tastes more like uh, raspberry. An IPA. It tastes just more, like a fruity IPA. Yeah, like more like a fruity IPA. It's okay though. It's not bad. Um, I'm not giving it an oil, Derek, because we're talking about milkshakes and we're talking about the milkshake scene. It's a great mm. fucking scene, and I feel like I need to get a, you know, bowling pins to the head. Yeah. Because if I drank <laughs> enough of these, I might have felt like I got bashed over the head by a bowling pin. Because it is. Um, let's see. They strong? Six point three percent. Not that's not bad. bad, but it's also I'm not like four percent uh that I'm used to from drinking my uh Bud Lights or three point five or whatever those yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> I li- I'm I'm like I'm like you. I like a light beer. Yeah. So Yeah, the heavy um, shit, just no fun for see. me. That doesn't have any I give it a, I give it a, a three 
three bowling pins to the head. You know, not bad. It's enough enough strikes to really like to really bash a skull in. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would kill a, yeah. a young preacher man. God, that scene is insane. We'll get into we'll get into that scene in just a second. I'll, I'll say I'll close yeah. this because Daniel Day Lewis, he's great. Um, he even you know he's passionate about the look of his character, even down to the hat that he wore in the film. Uh, he was given three hats by costume designer Mark Bridges to try to to try out, and he took them home as sort of a test drive to try to craft a look with the character that he was building before settling on the one that he wears in the film. And apparently all the sweat stains are real. As he was just wearing it all day, day in and out. In the blazing like, sun. In the blazing sun. They were recording it out in the desert. It's hot as shit. Um, and he needed that. You can feel it. You can smell it. You can taste this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's so tangible. It's yeah. right you really I, feel it. I didn't even have my taste when I watched this film, but I know what Phil's talking about. I was I was tasting the sweat because <laughs> I remember what taste you know that that tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> I've been hot and sweat rolling on my lip into my mouth, you know, and just I lost yeah. my senses, not my memory. God yeah. damn it! God, don't take that from me, COVID. Um, <laughs> all right, the other big character because the, the other guy. I mean everybody else. I mean there's there's we could talk about HW a little bit in a minute, but. Yeah, I'd like to the the the, the yeah, big Paul. the other big guy. Holy shit, Paul Dano. First is Paul. Dano. First is Paul. Yeah, another person who goes by his actual Christian name. Uh, both Daniel Day Lewis and Paul Dano got to play characters of their actual names. Must have been easy on set because yeah. you can just call him, "Hey, Daniel," yeah. and you know who he's talking <laughs> hey, to. Hey, Paul. Yeah, you know, Paul, which I, Paul? That I, Paul, the Paul the character, or Paul the director. Yeah. <laughs> no, you call him Paul Thomas Anderson or PTA. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Ruined it. Um, <laughs> but he also played a character by the name Eli Sunday, and and with a name like that, you got to go into religion, Bill. <laughs> this is something that was always weird for me with this character because. They weren't supposed to be twins. And they weren't, right? I would they weren't. I, I thought I knew that, right? Like it was another guy and he dropped out. They weren't originally meant to be twins, but yeah, you're right. Originally Paul Dano, he was just cast to play the small role of Paul Sunday. And really? this was after Paul Thomas Anderson saw Dano in the ballot of Jack and Rose, which also starred Daniel Day Lewis. Um, so he obviously was like, I'm a big fan of Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm going to watch all his films. He sees Paul Dano making a little, you know, he's doing oh, this kid fucking good. Yeah. He's doing some shit here and there. Paul Dano. Um, you know what? There's too a, young to be a dad, too young to be a dad. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, the uh, podcast. there's, uh, there's, yeah, the Paul, yeah, yeah. Paul Dano. Really good. Um, is Paul Dano. Okay. Is Paul Dano. Okay. Uh, yeah, check it out. They got a fun thing going on, on where they're just checking in on the mental well-being of Paul Dano in each of his films. Because uh, it's not good. <laughs> definitely not. So he was also, let's see, I guess Little Miss Sunshine was around this time Girl as Next well. Door. The Girl Next Door. <laughs> there was a couple of films you see Paul Dano. He's starting to make a little name for himself. You're not really sure about him. But then, hey, he comes out and he like puts in this role. Strong enough as Paul Comes Sunday, out of nowhere. but he wasn't meant to be Eli because the original actor playing 
Paul's brother Eli Sunday was Kel O'Neill, who had been cast and spent two weeks on set shooting before PTA decided it just wasn't working out. No way. It's a fucking Marty McFly situation? Yep. So rumors were that Kel O'Neill was intimidated by Daniel Day-Lewis and his intensity of staying in character on and off a set. So, And he didn't... You couldn't be intimidated at Eli. Yeah. That's one thing. He's not intimidated by <laughs> yeah. Daniel. That's the whole point. He's the only guy who stands up to him. Yeah. And they both see each other for what they really are. So both PTA and Daniel Day-Lewis, they have denied this. As well as O'Neill, who basically... I read an interview from a couple years ago, I think, where he's basically just saying he just never got comfortable and his performance suffered and he lost his job. It's kind of weird because, I mean, this guy, Kel O'Neill, is like, he hasn't done much since. He he basically only did like two other things after and it was just bit rolls. And I think that mentally, I think, kind of fucked with his career a bit. And he claims that he never saw himself yeah. as an actor anyway. So it was kind of like, Maybe it was a wake-up call, you know, the whole experience. Mm. But I think it also just kind of kind of fucked with him a bit. And he never really did much after. And I don't know, like, maybe the experience, because, I don't know, they maybe they're all just being really nice. But they're not really, I don't mm. think they're really telling the whole truth of what happens. And uh, I think Daniel Day-Lewis did come out and say, hey, this like this is I've never had this happen before. This is the first time I've seen this happen on a set where someone was dismissed and it had to be recast. And it was just like a very unfortunate situation and it, he felt really bad for the kid. But yeah. You know, one man's loss is another man's game because no one he had to reshoot two weeks worth of work, PTA went back to Paul Dano and got him to play Eli. Uh and they wrote it in that Paul was the twin and basically left Paul Dano only four days to prepare for the role, which is insane. <laughs> They're Good already luck. shooting. They're like knee deep in it. And he just like, who knows? He probably was already done. I think Paul Thomas Anderson was trying to shoot this basically to script as well. Like, you know, just shooting an order of the events and as they were happening and like, like for the most part. So Paul, Paul Dano was probably done, you know, like short, like probably a day or two of that, like, you know, just done short scene, yeah. very small role. And then he, they come back. Oh, do you think? He must've went out for the role of Eli as well. So they must've remembered and you know, they liked him well enough and they figured, Oh, well we could just make him his twin. But I will admit when I was, when I saw this film, when I was like 18, I went to see it at the cinema and I was very confused. Like, I wasn't sure the first time I saw this if, like, because it's so weird, you know, like the way uh, they all, everyone has agendas, like, you know, because Eli is a piece of shit himself as well. Like, and, you know, that's the times where you you kind of like, you're like on Team Daniel, even though it's hard to be on Team Daniel, but you can get on his, 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 uh, yeah, like when he fucking showed fucking showed up after his son goes deaf and he asked him for money like yeah. what the fuck did he expect yeah, yeah, yeah. damn right Daniel Plainview fucking yeah. dumped on him and rubbed his fucking face in the mud yeah absolutely and then yeah. he tried to get fucking petty revenge on him <laughs> yeah. by baptizing him and shit yeah. it's just it's like petty game between two people who are like need to be leaders among men yeah in different ways completely different ways but are just two 
Yeah, they're. I mean, they're both grifters, Looking man. They're both like exactly. They're both opportunist people exactly. who are just trying to make fucking money off of people, and that's why I think they are just perfect villains and like you know, sorry, perfect uh, like combatants for each other. Like you know, they they feed off of each other. They're competing against each other, like trying to one up each other. It's a total game of like showmanship with each of them as well. Like, cause Daniel comes in, he's like the you know the big guy comes in, and he's like. Oh, like give you this whole spill about he's a family man and I'm coming to save your town and make you so much money and make you so happy and you know he's the mm-hmm. one who actually ends up with all the fucking money and uh, it that. doesn't it's matter like, he, your brother was smart yeah he was the smart one you're the runoff <laughs> yeah. that's the coldest shit yeah. I've ever heard oh my god that kind scene. of right you're I love, just the I love afterbirth that, that. Eli you slithered oh, out of your mother's god. filth. They should have put you in a glass jar on the mantelpiece. Holy shit. Shit fucking hell. And he's kind of right. And it's like, and it's great. Again, it's got this like added biblical layer to it. Yeah. PTA loved that. Intentional or not, but you've got a fucking Cain and Abel story right there. They don't Mm. really play into it much. Yeah. But it's there with Paul and Eli and it's there with Daniel. And Henry. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, to be honest, like, I always felt like when I first saw this film as well, there's a lot of, like, Daniel being the devil as well. You know? He's the devil who comes into the town and, like, shakes things up. And Eli feels like he's, like, you know, holier than thou and has to, like, you know, take back what he feels is his and stuff and take control of the situation. But, like, is just as evil as Daniel is. So it's it's kind of like a... An interesting, like, you know, tit for tat they have going against each other. And, you know, you talking about that scene where he he knocks him, you know, Daniel knocks him down into the mud and beats the shit out of him. Well, I mean, like, they shot that. You're a man of God. (laughs) They shot that scene, you know, the day before the baptism scene. And oh, just to make it perfect. So Paul it's Dano, like, okay, you're gonna fuck me up today. Yeah, Paul Dano. Fuck you see, up that's tomorrow. the thing. Like Paul Dano, I'm gonna slap the shit out of you. He went in, like, like they were handled himself. He handled himself because it's like one of the, like I think Daniel's performance, like Daniel Day Lewis's performance, like could not have been as strong and as good and as memorable. Like if he didn't get as much back. Like he did from Paul Dano. It's amazing the performance Paul Dano puts in. Like the scene, the baptism scene's incredible. Like just the whole like getting into the showmanship to being the preacher who's like, you know, leave, leave, David, leave. You know, like holy yeah. shit. I love no. that. I love when the camera, the camera even like followed yeah. Dan. It's almost like you can see it. This physical thing you take now. <laughs> he, he's a. Scary. He's scary. Yeah, he is. Like Daniel yeah. is a scary character, but Paul Dano is just a fucking scary. Like those people freak me out anyway. Yeah. They're fucking really hardcore, like evangelical yeah, fucking absolutely. priests, like healers and stuff. Mm. They're just full of shit. Yeah. And just, but Paul Dano, like, and you don't know. Like, yeah. You just don't. Yeah, he's you very just don't strange. Know, man. He's a weird one. You don't know if he's legit or not. And I mean, you do get an answer at the end. Like whether he's full of shit, and it just—I feel, but I feel like you can kind of see through him. Mm-hmm. And Daniel's the opposite. I can't ever see what he's doing. I don't know every every decision he makes. I'm not sure if it's out of yeah love, love or hate. Especially when it comes back to his son. Like that's the biggest question of that movie. Like, does yeah. he really care for his son? You know. Um, 
But yeah, Paul Dano is like, I mean, I imagine, like, again, me and Dusty talking about it, it was like, these two are both like intense sort of meth style actors. You think they just got together before and they're like, yeah, just fucking go for it. Just fuck me up. And Daniel Lewis fucked him up and it's kind of pathetic to watch Paul Dano slap Daniel Day Lewis and him not even move. Yeah. <laughs> he barely even flinches. He's like, come on. He come like hawks up do from it. it do it. Know? Yeah. <laughs> I've abandoned Dude. my boy. And it's like, come on, do it so I can get out of here. Yeah. And he, but he's like just taking the slap. Yeah. And his face is all red, but he's not giving him anything. He will not give him the satisfaction well, of that moment. I mean, like Paul Dano was asked about what it was like to work with you know, work opposite Daniel Day-Lewis in such an intense antagonistic way. And Daniel, sorry, Dano told uh, Collider that there were definitely some moments where, you know, I was going, holy shit, because we didn't really rehearse. And so sometimes I didn't know how big something was going to come out of him and was going to be because he's so (laughs) powerful. And I didn't really want to say, you know, specific instances so I think you can probably imagine hearing some of the lines from that ending scene on the page, but then, you know, the real deal is just a whole other level. <laughs> so it's like, it sounded like it was pretty intense. I mean, I don't think like you could look back at anything prior to this film that Paul Dano had done. And, you know, I think like little miss sunshine was like a big, you know, his first like big coming out sort of, step into like making a little bit more serious films and stuff but that like you know that role is still very small this was the big yeah. role that i think really like put him on the map is like holy shit somebody to watch it's it's an incredible role it must have been hard i i can't imagine he he would re- i mean like you know i just read that quote i can't imagine he would really like want to even come at daniel day lewis like to talk to him about things I, it probably just like happened and he knew he needed to step up because yeah. I mean, he already had the like, Hey, this, this role's like, I'm stepping in to like this role for someone else. Like I, this is a recast. Like, you know, I can't fuck this up. You know, I have to, you got to step up your step fucking up. game, man. Yeah. It's crazy, man. I, and he does. Like I said, I, I think there's some weird ambiguity with it as well. Cause it's very, it's very strange, man. Like, cause they never really mention twins until that like until that ending you know scene where he calls him the afterbirth yeah. you know you just slid her out of your mother's filth like like that that like you know lets you know but like at the beginning i remember that when i first saw this i thought it was very strange like i like you're like is it the same guy yeah that's the thing like it's like even the way paul never comes back yeah paul never comes back the way daniel and hw as well look at him React to him. And react to Eli sure. the very first time. They're like, what? They're almost like waiting for like a reaction. Yeah. And like, oh, I'm Eli. <laughs> yeah. Like he just, he says, he's, it's so strange. It's very ambiguous. And like, I, I, in a way, like you said, like, oh, he never like, you know, insults your intelligence or makes you like, you know, speaks down to you or makes you feel dumb or something. Like he doesn't explain things to you like the way some films do. Um, you, you sort of alluded to that earlier. I think like that's mm-hmm. another example of it because it's it is strange, man. You just have to kind of go with it, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there's not much to like really paint it to you that like oh Paul 
is like a different person at first. Like, you know, it's and like, Paul is much smarter. Yeah. He comes in, he doesn't give him yeah. anything. He's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Yeah. I want this. I want that. And then I'll fucking tell you. And then I'm going to leave. And yeah. that's all you're getting from me. Yeah. And Eli just, just a fucking snake in yeah. the grass and like you can see when he takes that <laughs> on his father and again it's just the story of fathers and sons mm. and how their relationships affect them in good and bad ways yeah. like coming out of that and like again it's something Dusty pointed out she worded it well it's like how did HW become such like a decent fucking person yeah 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 and they do talk about that where it's like because you have you know none of me in you you know you're an Orphan, 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 a bastard in a basket, a bastard from a basket. (laughs) Tell him that's one of the harsh, the two harshest scenes in the movie. Again, where characters are finally forced to sit down and talk to each other, are back to back at the end. Mm. Again, it wouldn't work. It's the thing they would tell you not to do in a screenwriting class, right? That feels like a mistake. And also, the last scene of the movie is the funniest scene in the movie. Yeah, it's fucked up. But it's funny. Yeah. And it's it I'm done. Again, it shouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. I'm finished. And it's like, why did it fucking end in a bowling alley? And why did it sort of end in this weird, darkly black comedy note? Yeah. But it's perfect. You can't think of that movie ending any other way. Yeah. But yeah, seeing HW is the actual like tragedy of the whole thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Seeing that kid who had everything up against him and he managed to figure out, managed to live a life, taught himself sign language and stuff, married a girl, starting to raise a family, making his own business and moving out from under his father's shadow. And like a just like a good, decent person. Yeah. And that's what breaks them apart finally. Yeah. He's a- just so fucking bleak, man, yeah. you know? That's a harsh thing to sit there and watch. HW is is like an astute person like you could see it from being a kid even like uh mm. it's probably because daniel really because daniel like you know he's a baby teacher to he's a baby you know. and he like yeah. he he raised him in that life and hw even before he lost his hearing uh he didn't realize i don't think he realized until after he lost his hearing that his best gift was his eyesight that he was watching everything he's always watching he yeah. sees everything he sees everything before mm. You see it before Daniel sees it, like you said, with the brother. Uh, you know, to burn him he alive. tries to burn him because he saw, he see like it's very he subtle, but notebook. he saw, finds the notebook again, something and it he doesn't, doesn't pay really off until to later. You. And they don't really talk about too much, but it's like yeah. Daniel sees it and you get it. Yeah. So we can get into it. Dan- Dylan Frazier as HW Plainview for the role of HW. Paul Thomas Anderson looked at people in Los Angeles and New York, but he realized that he needed someone from Texas, like who knew how to shoot shotguns and live in that world. So the filmmakers asked around at a school and the principal recommended Dylan Frazier. They didn't have him read any scenes, but they instead just talked to him, realizing that he was just like the perfect little kid for the role. Um, He is perfect. Yeah. So good. So, his mother was very nervous before agreeing to let her son spend so much it's time. It's a scary movie, yeah, and it's dangerous. Yeah, to spend so much time with this man as well that she knew nothing about, <laughs> who was Mr. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Day. Day Lewis. 
It, it, it'd be different. Well, I mean, he, she, she, is, she should know. I mean, he's Daniel Day Lewis. It'd be different if he was Day. Daniel Knight Lewis. Daniel Maybe Knight. you should worry if it was Daniel yeah, Knight. But Daniel Day, he's cool. He's cool. Come on, he's he was in Age of Innocent. Yeah. All right, well, here's, here's a little funny story here. So, Lost the Mohican? Come on. She didn't know who he was, really. She didn't, She needed to, She's from Texas. It's simple down there, you know? She's got more problems to worry about than who's like, you know, Good actors, Phil. So she, she rented. Hasn't seen my beautiful laundrette. She <laughs> she hasn't seen my left foot. Um, yeah. So she rented Gangs of New York, and she oh, was God. absolutely appalled by Bill the Butcher. No, no, and if he is that guy, so flurry <laughs> of phone calls ensued, and they managed to get her a copy of Age of Innocence, where Daniel Day Lewis plays That's a better. much nicer character, and that did the trick, and she was happy, and she let little H, well, not HW, but little Dylan. Uh, they legally changed the name to HW <laughs> just to make it easier for Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> Everybody else is called by their <laughs> real names in real life. So he must be, therefore, H.W. Or Paul <laughs> changes his name to Dylan Plainview. And he is my son now. <laughs> I found him. I found him. I put him in an oil derrick. I covered him in oil. <laughs> he is my son now. I am his father. Jesus. <laughs> Chill out. And I am a family man and I run a family business. <laughs> Russell Harvard plays the adult H.W. Plainview. He's actually deaf in real life. And you may remember Sorry. him from the Fargo TV show, uh, which he's great, great in. Um, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad he's done more stuff. He's been in quite a few things. I always really appreciate when you get some actual deaf actors like playing deaf people in films. Like, why not? You know, God, like, could that never rolled for them? Yeah. But like this guy had one scene in this movie. Yeah. It's one of the most memorable scenes. Yeah, the movie like hardcore. Like he just he yeah. I mean it's a hardcore thing, but he's like just doing emoting everything with just his eyes and his hand, and he gets one line. Mm-hmm. He says one line, and it's a beautiful line. He's like, "I'm leaving you. I'm going to Mexico," and it's heartbreaking. That's all he can say to him. But it's like, and the fact they made him say it, and it's just yeah. And it's like, and for you to not hear your son speak in twenty years, and then that's what he tells you. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Uh, yeah, and him just walking away, and he—I don't even—that's a good uh, ambiguous bit. Is he yelling after him, or is he just hearing like "bastard," worse than a bastard, right? Like he just—it feels like Daniel's voices are just echoing in HW Ted as he's leaving. Yeah, him. it's a really great moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's yeah, a good shout because, time. like, obviously he can't—he can't hear it Daniel anyway. Well, exactly. that's that sort of thing, you know. It's just like. Oh man. It's just for him at that point. Yeah. Fucking hard, man. He's such a fucking bastard. He's the bastard. He's such God. a pizza shit. Cause like yeah. HW, man, like poor kid, he lost his father. Like just you yeah. know, I'm I'm assuming it's HB Elman, maybe. I'm not I'm not too sure. Some of these characters, like, you know, I kind of forget like their names and who played them, blah blah blah. But you know that was Barry Dell Sherman. He might have because there was a couple of guys that uh, that were Daniel's the, Daniel's guys. Okay. I think he was HB Elman, who was the original father for HW. Um, and then he gets killed. At yeah, the and beginning. he gets killed. Yeah. And yeah, and Daniel takes him in and raises him. And you know, he, I think he clearly does. I think at times, I think, and I think maybe that's a struggle 
because he does. I think he does love them, but he, he also understand it. He loved them as much as he can. Yeah, I guess he doesn't know how to really be a proper father. Um, because there are so many soft moments in the movie, like like the bit where where he's still a baby and they're just on the train. Yeah, and again, Dusty pointed out it's a great story behind that scene where they just let they just left Danny they left with the kid. They didn't have someone like you know playing to the kid off camera. And they just filmed him for yeah. ages and waited to see what happened. And eventually the baby looks up and he grabs his mustache and they start <laughs> yeah. playing with each other. Yeah. But like, oh my God, what a lovely little moment. Yeah. And that's, it's just sadder now to think about that's how he leaves him later. He just fucks off on the train and like, you know, gets into his car and the kid is running after him. And it's just so painful because there is some love there, I think. Mm. And he's doing the best he can. He's not. You know, it's up to you. Does he is he throwing the kid away because he doesn't want to deal with it, or could he thinks he can't help him here, so yeah. he has to send him away? And that's a hard thing for him to do. But also, he never even bothered to learn fucking sign language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like I don't it's know. Hard, I don't yeah. know what to think of this dude. It's, really it's a hard. hard one. Yeah, he's a hard character. Did you know who does crack. learn to use sign language? Is uh, Mary Sunday, the little girl, the Eli's younger sister, Sydney McAllister plays the young. Mary and you could and there's that really nice scene of her like just watching and she's trying to learn sign language and then they have that nice like transition to him being older as they uh, pass the time and she's they're getting that's married. A cut. Yeah, that's the 2001 cut right <laughs> fucking there. Yeah, Colleen Foy playing adult Mary. I mean, again, Dusty kept referencing that lot. There's lots of 2001 references mm. in this movie, and I feel like it is hit 2001. It's big, epic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It's like the close T- TPTA gets to Kubrick. But that the bone, it's like the bowling pin with the ape yeah. and stuff. And it's very similar shot. But it's like 2001 played out in reverse in that you watch a man descend rather than evolve. Yeah, and again, yeah. And I'll, and I'll go into more detail. I think the master in the reverse of that, where Freddy starts more animalistic. And ascends into manhood, or try to try to elevate himself. Yeah, with the help of that's a good that's a good shout because like Daniel at the beginning is like driven and he's like so smart and everything, and as he gets more successful, it's like it, like you know capitalism ruining people because it's like yeah. the money and everything because he gets more successful and then he almost just becomes so infantile and just like a just mean-spirited baby at the end you know yeah, like, again Duncan Kane. yeah um we also have kevin j o'connor he plays henry plainview the uh f- the faux brother of daniel yeah i mean yeah. that that whole play play out we've talked about it a little bit here and there i mean we don't have to go into it too much but like mm. yeah it's a it's a f- interesting story you could see a bit of like you know hw you know like uh feeling a bit of jealousy as well from from Daniel because now Dan- Daniel doesn't have time for him. He's deaf. He can't really communicate with him, doesn't really know what to do. And HW's like out of control, like as he feels out of control and tries to burn this fucking place down. But it's coming from a really good <laughs> yeah. place because he's like, he finds out him. he's trying to protect him. But Daniel doesn't see it. And then finally, when he sees it, he probably just feels like, fuck, I let my guard down one minute, you know? Yeah, and I mean that's I the thing. Like you see, in, and I, it fucks. It fucking ex- blows up on my ex- face. Exactly. You can see why this guy fucking hates p- people. As soon as he lets someone into a circle, he turns into a 
it turned out to be a fucking lie. Yeah. Some guy just trying to get money off him. Everybody in the world is just trying to get money off yeah. him. And that's Even his son. why he just wants to be away from him. Yeah. His son, and he's, you know, HW leaves and he feels like, oh, HW's like, oh, he's, he's, I, after all I did for you, you're like, you know, you're going to leave me. You're going to, you're going to, you're, you're gonna now my me. competitor. Yeah. It's just <sighs> so petty. Fuck, man. It's painful. Yeah. Because it's not about, he comes in, sorry, he comes in and HW doesn't have to be that cool. He comes in first thing and he's like, I love you very much. Yeah. And it's like, and this is why I'm doing it mm-hmm. because I'd rather keep my father rather than my partner. Yeah. And that, and he just can't hear it and he can't yeah. see it. And he never had that moment. And again, why I love PTA could fuck the arc, fuck the change in life doesn't work like that. Most people don't change. And Daniel Plainview just gets worse and worse in that movie. Yeah. And that night, that kind of night that, you know, it's more realistic that it doesn't, it doesn't turn around at the end of the movie. And you're like, I should have been a better father. <laughs> yeah. He's exactly who he wants to yeah. be. I mean, that's some daddy issues sort of shit right there, but it <laughs> is very true. Cause I mean, it's like, that's just how shit is, man. Like the world yeah. ain't perfect. You know, I mean, some people have some great dads and great moms and shit, but a lot of people don't. It's like they're not always going to come back into your life like the way you want them to. You know, it's not the Brady Bunch. Um, To close out the last couple of cast members, we got like Kieran Hands, who plays Fletcher Hamilton, which is the second uh, business partner that comes into play a little bit later Mm. in the film after uh, uh, his first one dies, H.W.'s father. And then we've got David... Uh, Warshawski, who plays H.M. Tilford, who is the man at the restaurant that Daniel gets really upset with. They have the meeting. At oh, first. the guy who tried to buy the the guy who tried to buy. Yeah, he's trying to buy yeah, up his like the oil. his oil reserves and stuff. And Daniel, yeah. at first, it seems like Daniel might do it, but then he like he gets he. Oh, he I can't him. take care of my son. I can't take care of my son. Yeah, and he gets so fucking <laughs> insulted. And then he sees Look, him. My son is with me. <laughs> he sees him again, yeah, and then just like lays in on him. It's so embarrassing. It's embarrassing for it's everyone. Oh, so HW yeah. can't fucking hear, but he can see how embarrassing this is. You could see it. He's like sick. made a deal with Prime Oil yeah. with the pipeline. Oh, it's yeah. so fucking horrible. Well, the only one of the main reasons, I mean, besides that being kind of like a great scene, is uh, one of the main reasons I'm bringing that up is apparently Philip Seymour Hoffman was. Uh, in mind for that role like PTA was going to put him in that role but PTA I think at this point wanted to just reinvent himself he didn't want to have any connections to any of the former people he had in any of his films before and that's why this is largely like Daniel Day-Lewis and a few other people that you may have seen here or there but mostly a lot of like new faces fresh faces or kind of nobodies you know like so it's interesting Mm. Um, we could have had a Philip Seymour Hoffman, but maybe it was for the better. But he comes back next time, so he comes back and holy <laughs> shit! Unfortunately, this is last time as well, isn't it? Last time with PTA, yeah. the next one. So we'll have a good, mm-hmm. good time on that next episode. All right, music. You know Johnny Greenwood. Here we go, PTA. Here we come. Big fan of Radiohead. Impressed with Johnny Greenwood's mm. score for the film Body Song. So while he was writing the script for There Will Be Blood, ETA heard Greenwood's orchestral piece, Popcorn Super Hat Receiver, or Super Hat, Popcorn <laughs> Super Hat Receiver, which prompted him to ask Johnny Greenwood if he wanted to work with him. 
And Johnny Greenwood was initially hesitant, but he did agree. And he pumped out two hours worth of music over three three weeks at Abbey Road Studios, which became the score awesome. for There Will Be Blood. And it's a great, great score, film. man. Like, it's one of those where there's so much going on in this film as far as, like, the grandness of it and everything. It's almost just another, like, another just piece of it, another character. It mm. didn't hit for me the way something mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, the Punch Drunk Love soundtrack did. Like, you know, that's mm. such a great yeah. score. It's my least favorite of the Greenwood stuff yeah. um, for his movies. I think he hit stuff of the master and Harry Potter. Incredible. Yeah, and here it's almost awesome. like yeah. here it's cool, but it's like I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I feel like you could do this movie without any music. Yeah, yeah, because large parts it's are so very silent. fucking dark. Yeah, and silent. You never need it. Yeah, I guess there's a few. There's a few. I think you know, like PTA lets himself rip a little bit. He gives, he gives himself a few montages where you can finally like do some big camera moves and the music comes in really strong. Yeah. There's some of that. It's and very the, busy oh, is. music as well. Like, yeah, very, like, you know. Exactly. Working music. Yeah. Um, and there's a few, even there's a few mo- like shots that, even though it's an entirely different landscape, shots that are reminiscent of Bunch Drunk. There's a few like of those blue lens yeah. sort of shots and it's blown out fucking backdrops which I love like the fucking iconic the baptism theme yeah. with the fucking the, the cross cut out of the wall mm. and they let that be the natural light <laughs> yeah yeah beam. yeah and it just blows yeah. them out from behind and it's incredible yeah sorry I just died about the music and turned well, into I mean the it all works it feels again. like it works it's together good, yeah like I, I feel like proven land at the banger PTA like must have I think he got into a certain style of music for a bit because like if you listen to some of that really busy music from um Punch Rock Love like we were talking about in that very mm. intense scene it's similar it's similar yeah. vibes to this where it's just like very it's like noise driven it's got vibes of like I don't know like you know the the Akira soundtrack in, in a way you know what I mean like that oh, like for just sure. a lot of fucking instruments and very like love instrument yeah, incandescent yeah, sort of like off the off time yeah, sort of thing like coming in and out really loud and like just like and it, it's used tastefully like thank god it's not used so much because it'd probably take away from the film but it's it's mm. nice it, it does it's, it does its job like I said it's not it's not really out there in your face. It's okay. And the score gained a lot of praise. It, it got Grammy nominations with uh, many thinking it would get an Oscar nomination, but it was ruled ineligible due to its use of Greenwood's previously released piece, Popcorn Superhead Receiver, because oh, PTA liked it so much that he just popped it in. And also Convergence from the film Body Song, which... PTA also liked, so he just popped it in this film as well. <laughs> and also, weirdly enough, they used uh, "He Need Me Again." Bit of thought. That was really weird. <laughs> it was so strange. It was just in yeah. the middle of the the fucking baptism scene. He slapped him one time, and he was like, "Paul he Dano needs sang me, it, He yeah. needs me. He needs me. <laughs> and then, yeah, like fucking uh, Daniel's just sitting there, just like, "They need me. They need me. They need me." me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna drink it up. Oh man. <laughs> well, principal photography began in June of 2006 on a ranch in Marfa, Texas, and took three months, which is that's not too bad. It's pretty impressive. They got like yeah, fucking for a big movie, big like ass this. movie out. Three months. Other location uh, shooting took place in Los Angeles. Uh, while on location in Marfa, Texas, 
here we go. No country for old men was Ooh, shooting, across, shooting the way. across the way, a neighboring film production. And one day when Paul Thomas Anderson and his crew were testing out the pyrotechnics effects of the oil derrick fire, uh, it caused this enormous billowing of smoke. I remember hearing about this back in the day, and it was a very funny story. And it bit onto a shot that Joel and Ethan Cohen were shooting across the way. They're like, country. they're like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Which caused uh, them to delay filming until the next day when the smoke finally dissipated. Lol, get fucked, Cohen so, brother. <laughs> like we said, both this film and No Country for Old Men would eventually become the leading contenders for the Academy Awards a year and a half later with No Country taking home Best Picture. And it's almost like... Should have been Devil Be Blood. Both great, but... I don't mm. know, man. It's a hard one. And nah, I feel like that's man. part of my, like... I was a I was you know I saw both of those films the year you know that year like I said it was an important year for me. I love No Country for Old Men. I think it's such a great movie. Um, it's exciting. Uh, you know, it's not as bleak as this one is. Um, there's a lot. There's a, a, another strong, strong performance like we said with Javier Bardem as Anton Chigurh. It was very scary. Uh, it's it's neck and neck, man. And I I don't I I don't even fault anyone for going you know with there will be blood over because it's oh, they're no, so they're fucking so strong. good. How can you get yeah. two films that good like in the same year? In and then year, there's like all now, these other films as well that year. It's insane. It's insane. Like Zodiac. Now, and, oh my god! Like what a year! Like now I look at now I'll look at the Oscars and I'll be like, even if I've seen most of them, I'll be indifferent to most of them. Yeah. It's very rare. I'll be like, oh, God, these two movies? What could win? I can't even yeah. choose. It's like, that's the only one I really like. I hope that one wins. You know? <laughs> like, you know, Parasite was one of those. Like, that was, I mean, Parasite is amazing. But it's like, amazing, yeah. It was that. That yeah. was the best movie, like, yeah. far and away of yeah. those nominees. Easy. Yeah. It was no contest this year. I don't even fucking any of them could have really taken yeah and it's crazy like all the same there's so many good films that year that didn't even get nominated like assassination it was like you know a lower tier film but it was like fucking amazing uh into the wilds a really nice film like oh yeah like there's a lot of films that year and the one we're talking about next week is a really fun film as well so i mean there's a lot of good stuff from 2007 but it sucks for pta because this was the closest if yeah. it was going to be for anything and yeah, any other year, he he would have got the Oscar for this. Yeah. Any other year, he would have got it. But it came out, like you said, one of the strongest years <laughs> in the Cohen's cinema. Laptop and the Cohen's laptop And like, <laughs> and PTA just hadn't yeah. found it since. And it's yeah. bullshit. He did, uh, like, he deserved it for the master as well. But it's just like, yeah. when... When will he get... Eventually, he, it's just going to be like a gimme, right? going to be like mm. for The Departed. Where it's like... That wasn't Scorsese's best movie. That wasn't the one yeah. that he should have won on, finally. But it's like, you've earned it. For all yeah, the time yeah, yeah. where you should have won. Or Leo Leo winning. Leo, you know, exactly. Like, for the Revenant, it's great, Revenant, but did I off. have to crawl inside of a fucking like, and bear or a horse or whatever yeah. it was that he crawled into like just to win an Oscar? I mean, it's crazy. Bear, yeah. A bear, yeah. But I mean, yeah. you know. Han Solo did that in Empire Strikes Back. It's <laughs> yeah. not a big deal. Where's his Oscar? <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i i mean i i look at this fire though and i see just like it's it's almost like hey you you fucked our setup just just wait until our film comes out and then we're gonna take that oscar and then you're gonna regret for setting that fire you're gonna regret yeah. it and that's what happened <laughs> 
There Will Be Blood was released in December of 2007 and went on to make $76.2 million on a $25 million budget, making it PTA's most successful and most profitable film to date. Uh, It's his biggest film yet. I mean, you know, some people like a lot of those late. I mean, because he's got some heavy hitters coming up, but yeah, I like the later. I don't know if you'll ever you'll ever touch like 76 that's a pretty good amount i mean it's it's insane he's never hit the 100 mark you know but he's not it's that very type rare of director. for a guy like it i know it's weird it's weird to, we it's weird to, to check yourself on stuff like that with like we talk about pta a lot we talk about tarantino a lot we talk about a west anderson a lot but you realize these are kind of indie guys and mm-hmm. Their mainstream audience, it's only so high. It does have yeah. a ceiling, and it's about 100 million. And only really Tarantino can break that ceiling. And it's like, hey, you realize don't, how don't, tiny. Don't don't discount the other Anderson in this race. Our, and, and the other Anderson, yeah. I mean, only once, but, but don't discount. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, it's hard for them to break it. And then you realize how yeah. actual, actually small their audience is compared to like, Absolutely, and no one, and no wonder their movies don't get made because Dude, every Marvel movie makes a billion dollars without trying. Even the Coen Brothers, I mean, they have same thing. They have that they like have notorious feeling. fan base. Their like big deal fucking loves them, and I, I, they're loyal. They're one of my like top film directors. If I had to do a top five, I'd definitely put the Coen Brothers They'd in there. Up there. I'd throw Billy Wilder up there, like just like no, directors me too. that I fucking love. They always have great film, great films. But like, there's the Coen Brothers are that type of directors who make a they're sorry, uh, No Country for Old Men, or they'll make a Fargo or something like that, and then they win the Academy Award, and then then they come directly out with like a fucking you know Big Lebowski after or or yeah. a uh, Burn After Reading. Burn After That's Reading a weird is movie. <laughs> so fucking good though, and it's I think so underrated. I think it's one of it the is. funniest like fucking films. But like people trashed it because it was like. What? What a no country. Like, yeah. We just had no country for old men. What? Like and then you start you to realize who the Cohen brothers This were. is not yeah, this is you're like this is not the audience. This is like your fake fans. Joe Blow who saw No Country for Old no Men country, and, and wants that again. This huge film and then they want that again and then they get like they get like something that's considered lesser, but it's for me funny as shit. I love it. Mm-hmm. Luckily, PTA, he's not pumping out films as, as often, and he's got his like <laughs> formula that he's just hitting every yeah. time. Um, so I don't think he's ever going to have to work. He's not. He's not going to make enough to come back. Film. This is his biggest one. Uh, mm. There'll be but two, done. man. Got to do it. <laughs> the Revenge yeah. of HW. Yeah. <laughs> just goes, shoots his dad with a shotgun. Yeah, that's it. And then it just starts into his gritty oil baron. Like you don't even see Daniel. Day you do the rest again. of the book. You do the rest of the. You do the other fucking yeah. hundred. You do pages. the actual book because like there the book go. was actually Easy. from his perspective. The the son. Yeah, dude. Why aren't we in Hollywood? <laughs> Well, critics loved the film, with many calling it one of the greatest films of the 21st century and placing it near the top of many of top 10 lists in 2007. Uh, many called it a masterpiece, PTA's best, and they give it a lot of praise to Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Dano. The film was nominated for eight Academy Awards, including for Best Picture and Best Director and Best Adapted Screenplay, I think all of which went to the Coen's. <laughs> Huh. and uh, it won for Best Actor for Daniel Day-Lewis and like I mentioned earlier also won for Best Cinematography for Robert Ellswood so 
Hats off to Robert Ellswood as well, because he's been working with PTA for most of these films, if not all of them, and mm. just fucking putting in good work every time. Like someone who's obviously being really creative with someone who likes to move the camera a lot, like PTA does, just kind of going yeah. with it, you know. Daniel Day Lewis would also win a BAFTA, a Golden Globe, Screen Actors Guild Award. I mean, he cleaned house that year. Yeah, he was. He just went it. room to room collecting awards. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's all I got. I mean, we've and there went was way long. Blood. There was blood at the end. <laughs> it did. It went it way longer. It's a three-hour movie. Yeah, it went way longer, but yeah. I think it we uh, we could have sailed through my notes and very quickly. But I liked how we just kind of went with it. We, we talked about this film because there's a lot to talk about for such like a film. Like I said, for a, like basically kind of nothing happens, but everything happens. Uh, yeah. It's a good one. Strong fucking performance. So, hats off. Hats off. <laughs> he did a motion. He did a gesture. I yeah. hope everybody saw. Uh, finally. God, you finally get some recognition from this fucking yeah. guy. Well, I just didn't feel like he's in his fuckboy all tour status. He's actually, like, submitting himself as, like, you know, a normal... He's the, he's the PTA I've, I've, I've known uh, to enjoy yeah. and appreciate. Here know, we go. And I years. can't... I can't wait for you to watch the next one. I hope you enjoy yeah, it as much as I'm I do. At the very least, I think you have a. I think at the very least, you'll have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun for our first watch because next for Paul Thomas Anderson, we'll see the director get the band back together as he reunites <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. But also, hey, he's going to work with one of his his other like you know his his boys, his other boys he wanted the to work boys. with. The boy, it's, uh, the boy, Joaquin Phoenix, and it's in a it's in a film about going clear, you know. Hey, oh yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's join a do cult. It. It's the master. Yeah. But first, next week, we're back in the desert. You thought Phil, you thought we were out of the desert after? I thought this we week. were done, and we're not even going to be done after that. Still 2007, you know. But this time, we're going to be on the other side of the world. We're going to India. We're going to India. <laughs> As we dissect how three brothers get this film <laughs> with with what? daddy issues are uh, bonding uh, after they're forced to spend a lot of time together on a small train carriage in Wes Anderson's The Darjeeling Limited. You ready? How, how limited is it? We'll find out. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Well, we need a daddy issue theme, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I feel like we do. That's Jesus your daddy Christ. issue theme song. I mean, I'm gonna be lazy and say it's just the Anderson versus Anderson theme song. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just every film's about bit. daddy issues. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Get some new materials, guys. God, um, I know it's your life, but fuck. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for spending time with us each and every week through this arc of Anderson versus Anderson. It's really fun. We're getting into some fun stuff. Uh, we're really starting to see the turn for our other Anderson, Mr. Wes Anderson, because I don't know how much more fun we're going to have with his films uh, from here on out. My two, I, I know, I'm trying to enjoy this moment with my yeah. two favorites coming up. Yeah. Like I've unapologetically said it. My favorite <laughs> Wes Anderson movie is coming up and my favorite PTA movie is coming yeah. up. After that, it's in the air. We can, we, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, but the next yeah. two weeks will be at least somewhat enjoyable. For yeah. Me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. New ground for me. And also, I really like the next uh, Wes Anderson film a lot. And I feel like it's a, uh, a 
it's the last time I can probably say that is we start Me to get too. the tree starts to get a little too much. But we'll we'll see. We'll reassess some of those films. Um, but anyway, as always, you can find us at the PCC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can pop us an email at podcast@princecharlescinema.com. You can let us know how what do you think of uh, There Will Be Blood, what do you think of Darjeeling Limited, whatever. You know, get to us, talk to us, let us know how you feeling, <laughs> how you enjoying the series so far. What are you looking forward to next? Uh, if you got any crazy wacky ideas of what you think we could do next for another arc in the future throw them at us you know interesting yeah. stuff only don't give me none of this weak sauce because like you know i like i like it hot you know we need some good material <laughs> spicy. so spicy hot stuff. tamales you, know, you got some ideas throw them at us but as always check out the breadcrumbs collective we got a lot of good stuff going on there petros is doing a lot of awesome fucking work with uh cajun podcast he's starting a new little side podcast another one called Pigcast, where he's talking about <laughs> yeah, the film God pig because there's another nicholas cage film out people are loving it looks it. fucking good to be fair yeah i'm excited to see it uh petros has got a lot of fun interviews he's working on and he's trying to talk to the man himself which will totally uh, solidify him as the most legit Nicolas Cage podcast ever, if he's not already. You just you just so. fucking quit after that, man. <laughs> you know, you're done. I did it. Yeah. I made it to Cage. What Definitely. next? Like, how do you you review every Nick Cage movie, and then you review Nick Cage, and then yeah. you're done. Definitely. Also, check out Franchise, like we said earlier. Good, fun podcast. We're going through all the Fast and Furious films, and we got a fun season two in store for you soon. If you like myself and Ariane talking each and every week back in the day, you get to relive that experience because we're back together again, talking each and every week on Franchise. It's the same shit as this, man. It's the same podcast. Go listen to it. It's very <laughs> fun. Um, but yeah, uh, hit us up at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. You can support the podcast. $5 or more a month gets you bonus episodes. Phil and I got a really fun bonus episode we're going to throw at you soon. And we promise you, Eventually. Mr. Malcolm, we've got that episode, your special request coming your way soon. I'm sorry I got thrown off. Like I would have tried to get that done this month, but the COVID thing set us back a little bit. So we couldn't do as much as we wanted to do, but we're going to try to definitely get you that in August. But stay tuned. Fun stuff coming your way. And as always, if you support us at any level on Patreon, you get these episodes early uh, by at least two days, and then you can spoil it for everyone else. As always, you can find me at Tall for All, T A L, the number four T A, uh, the number four A L L on Twitter and Instagram. And Phil, where can people find you? I'm at the faraway fan on Twitter and in real life, and the dogs I met on the gram. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I'm finished. I'm done. <laughs> Bye, guys. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Droop Town Limery Main, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.